We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it's Blood Harrison on our Panther Ranch podcast. It's a beautiful Monday. Well, it depends on where you live, but back to another week of work. We got Super Bowl coming up. We just had the NHL All-Star game over the weekend and the Pro Bowl. So those were two big uh, events that happened over the weekend. You know, as far as All-Star games go, I mean, the Pro Bowl is pretty much nothing these days. And really, it was really never a huge thing. Because at one time, there was always a big thing between the AFC and MC as far as superiority went. Because at one time, the AFC went, like I think, over a decade without a, a Super Bowl win. I think, I think the last one they had was, I believe, it was the Raiders, actually. It was the Raiders uh, went over the... Um, Redskins was the last Super Bowl win, and nobody in their right mind could, for some reason, the AFC could win a Super Bowl ever since then. The streak went on from, I believe, from then on to, I believe, '97 when when the Broncos won it. '97, '98 when the Broncos won it. But for a while, I mean, the NFC was pretty much, you know, the marquee conference out of the two. And the thing, you know, the thing about it was, you know, AFC just didn't have much to challenge out. I mean, you had the, well, in the late, mid to late 80s, early 90s, you had the Broncos. LA went several times with that team, and they just, you know, couldn't get it done. You know, the last two times, I mean, the last, the last two times in the 80s, they, uh, well, actually, Actually, all of them. All, all, all three times they went. You figure um, the Giants, they lost by 19. I mean, they they had control of that game, and they, they fell apart. The Redskins, they had control as well in the, very early in the game. But the Redskins just punched them in the mouth several times, and by halftime, the game was over. And then the 49ers game, which they had no chance of winning that game at all because they weren't one, the Broncos just weren't that good. And two, the San Francisco 49ers were really, really good. And they just beat the crap out of them. I mean, the game wasn't even close. 55-10 was the final score of that game. And we didn't see the Broncos back until the 97 season. And they actually, um, where they beat Green Bay, and then they beat Atlanta, and then LA retired. Although I think if LA would have stayed on, I think he he could have played more. I thought, 
if that team would have stayed together, I think they could have won two more Super Bowls, or at least, or at least one more. But uh, Terrell Davis started to get hurt, and they really didn't have a Super Bowl replacement for Elway at the quarterback position. You know, I think they had Brian Greasy at that time, and that was it. There was Bubby as well, but you know, Bubby was on that team, and he knew the offense. And people thought maybe give him a shot and. I think that season after Elway retired, Bubby had the opportunity. He stunk up the joint in the preseason. That was it for him. But uh, looking for that, some other teams. He had the Bills, and the Bills should have ended the drought in ninety. In 90. They had the team to do it. They were really good. It just. Um, Scott Norwood just missed some kicks. And Belichick obviously was the offensive coordinator against, I mean, defensive coordinator against for the Giants against the Bills. And basically, he knew how to play them. You know, and it worked to their, it worked to their degree. And of course, they, you know, they had a backup quarterback in Hosteller in that game. And they, they just, I mean, they played out of their minds that game. I mean, they had, you know, it wasn't like uh, they had, they, they were no slouches. I mean, they had some good players as well. They had, um, you know, they had Otis Anderson. He was towards the end of his career, but he was still good. Or as, or as he's called, O.J. Anderson. They had um, David Maggett, who was a small running back, but he was quick and shifty. And, you know, he could... You know, he could not only run out of the backfield, but he could catch passes. He he returned punts, returned kicks. You know, he was the jack of all trades for them. You had Mark Ingram. So they were no slouches. And I think Mark Bavaro was still on that team as well. And he, you know, there's also Stephen Baker. And Baker obviously wasn't no Jerry Rice, but. He was, you know, a pretty quick receiver. But then, you know, the Bills, they had, you know, the Redskins the next year, and the Skins were, that was a really good team as well. I mean, they went, they were on the feet for most of the year. And they ended up finishing 14-2. Then, you know, after that, they had the Cowboys for, for the next two seasons, and Cowboys walloped them the first time. The second time, the Bills had a 13-6 lead at halftime, and they just fell apart in the second half. That was pretty much it for the Buffalo Bills. You know, we didn't see much of them after that. And I remember, I remember it was it was the '95 season where um, that was the year the Steers went to the Super Bowl. And I think that they, they did face the Bills and beat the crap out of them. And I think the Bills had Alex Van Pell as their quarterback at the time. Because Kelly was hurt. And um, I remember the next year, the Bills tried to make a run. And I think Kelly got hurt in the, in the playoff games against Jacksonville. And they, they remember they showed Kelly being car off the field. And pretty much, they said this was pretty much the end of the Bills, of the Bills dynasty. And it really was. Because the team got dismantled after that. A lot of those guys went elsewhere. I think Andre Reid stuck around, but uh, you know Thurman Thomas was pretty much gone after that. But uh, that was that was an 
awesome arrow. But uh, yeah, that's you know pretty much you know for the AFC late '80s you had the Browns. The Browns were one of the best teams in the AFC, so it pretty much tells you how really good the AFC really was at that time. I mean, the Browns had a nice roster. It just well, they just could win games or win the ones they wanted to, and you know yeah, they had Marty Ball to, Ball to deal with. But um, other than that, I mean, I mean, that's the Pro Bowl really wasn't much after after that. It hasn't been for like decades. You know, I mean, it's just it was just a, at one time it was a league bragging rights, and it really was no big deal. Uh, the NHL All Star Game. For me, you know, growing up, I mean, that was that game. The All Star Game was a huge deal. And the reason why is, you know, when I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, it was about bragging rights. Not so much for your delete, the, you know, the conference you played in, but it was bragging rights for yourself. You know, so if you had a really good game, really good game in the All-Star game, it was a huge deal. It was, you know, it was basically making a name for yourself. Amongst all those players, and that's how the NBA, that, that's how the NBA All Star Game was as well. You had all those, you had all those stars, and it was all about being that guy. Uh, out of all those All Stars, it was to be was to be the man, pretty much. And I, because I remember when uh, the All Star Game, where Lemieux scored four goals, and it was at the it was at the Civic Arena. Or, or as people would call it, the Mellon Arena. I grew up calling it the Civic Arena, so that's why, that's what I call it. He scored four goals in that game. I mean, they, they, you know, the Wales Conference won it. But I mean, he uh, at the time it was a. Um, you still had the Lemieux and Gretzky you know, rivalry, and for him to knock those four goals, it was a huge ass deal. And I believe that year he had the point streak going as well, and he, you know, he was trying to break Gretzky's point streak record, and he did very well. But after, but at the end of the day, his back started to bother him, and pretty much, I believe, if I remember correctly, I think he shut it down that year. You know, that's the thing about Mario is uh, he was a hell of a player, but. The guy had so many injury problems. I mean, for him to play through all that was amazing. And I think what really helped him out was getting Yager and a bunch of other guys on that roster because it took a lot off of him and it helped him play longer. Because I don't think if he doesn't have Yager, Ron, Ron Francis, and of course, you know, develop, you know, Kevin Stevens developing, he doesn't have all for you know, Larry Murphy, all those guys. All that talent around him, I don't think you know. I don't think he he he, he plays for longer than what he did. You know, I don't think you know. I don't think his body would have been able to take it. You know, getting those guys really really helped him a lot. But uh, yeah, I remember he was gone from that. But that was you know. 
I remember for me the for me the big thing with it with the, with hockey at that time was the was the skills competition, and we loved it. I mean, it was so awesome to watch the skills competition. You had the skating thing where I think Brian Leach used to always win it, or no, it was either Leach or Gardner. Mike Gardner, I think, was the guy who would win the the skating competition. You had him, and then the slap shot competition, which you had like Li Afraidy. I afraid he would always win it, I think, in one, or I think he may have won it once or twice, but he was always like the, the favorite now because he would blast the shit of that puck. I think there was him, there was a bunch of other players who could really kill that puck. Al McGinnis was another guy on those defensemen. I mean, he was one of those defensemen who could slap the shit of that puck. NBA, you had the slam dunk competition. And at one time in the 80s, that was a big bragging rights as well to win that. Because you had and all the stars performed it. You had Jordan, Wilkins. Those were always your top two guys. That would, that would, there was the big rivalry as far as the dunk competition was concerned. Spud Webb was another one. You know, those two were all, you know, at the time, the you know, slam dunk competition, that was big bragging rights as well to win that. Same with the three-point competition. You had Bird and all those other guys. You know, and um, now, you know, you don't see those guys participating as much. I mean, the stars at least. I don't think LeBron's ever participated in the dunk competition, but I could be wrong. And really, you know, then be also like now it's just a wide open offensive game, and you know it's not you know it's not much defensive at all. It's just lost scoring. There's really nothing to brag about. Whereas back in back at the time, those those guys would would show up big in those games. To you know, the, it was to you know make a name for themselves. The same with, same with the same with the NHL as well. And at one time, you know, for the for the baseball all-star game, it was the same thing as well. It was a serious competition, and you know, it was all about your you know, the private league you played in. NHL, you know, it's still a fun game to watch. I mean, I'm some, you know, Crosby won the MVP, and I'm so, it was his first all-star MVP, which surprised the hell out of me because I thought he won more than I thought he at least had the one all-star MVP, but he didn't. So, that surprised the hell of me. I don't really watch hockey as much as I used to because I don't live in a hockey town. I mean, the only source of hockey I get is on Twitter, pretty much, from all the Pens fans that, you know, at uh, BMO and everything. I mean, as long as I've known, you know, Penguins hockey, the goaltender always gets the brunt of the blame for everything. We all, I mean, we've, we've always blamed the goaltender for everything. We, we bitched about Barrasso. Reggett, then Reggett would replace him, and we would love Reggett, then we'd bitch about Reggett, then we'd find somebody else to bitch about, you know, whether it's J.S. Ben or... Good Lord, what, what, what were some other, you know, surprisingly good goals? There's Patrick Laleem, you know, I remember in 1970, he had that, 96, 97, he had that big uh, unbeaten streak. He had that going for him. I think we dot him off eventually. But yeah, we've always uh, been hard on our goaltenders. Even ones that won us cups. 
you know, so, I mean, I mean, the last Penguin game I went to was probably, I would say 2013, I went to a game, and Pens won, I think, they beat the Devils 6-1, to one or something like that, yeah, it was like, that. it was that, I mean, for one thing, it surprised the hell of me they beat the Devils that bad, because I think Broder was, was a net, I think he was towards the end of his career, But they, I think they, I think the Pens only left one goal, and they were still good shit about Flurry for some reason. I have no idea why. Never understood it, and up until we left, I mean, uh, I never understood it either. I, I mean, suppose he wasn't the same guy as he was, and you know, goalies do age, and with Matt Murray, he just got hot, and you know, when you have a side cap, you got to make choices, and the Pens. They went with the, the goaltender with the, the younger goaltender with a hot hand at that point. But the, you know the Pens have you know they've done pretty well in this you know since two thousand. I mean they show one more Cubs under Lemieux. I thought I felt, but um, once they got Crosby and they they probably they, they probably could have won more Cups under with Crosby, but uh, they've won three now and that's a that's a good that's a lot I mean going back to back was hard enough I mean that's just a hard thing to do I mean the Bulls went th- three P the one year and I thought the Pens could have three P but the Islanders had something to say about that and of course the NHL started allow- started allowing obstruction and all the other crap and which murdered which mur- nearly murdered the league and it's pretty you know I mean, how bad was the the whole NHL, you know, dead puck era? Well, basically, to a point where they um, had a strike, and then ESPN decided they rather they rather play the World Series of Poker than play hockey games on their on their networks. So there, there you go. Although now, if you get ESPN Plus, you get a, you can get the NHL games, which I may. If I go more streaming next year, I'm thinking about doing that because I really would love to watch some some more Penguins games and get more engaged with my Twitter followers because I need, I need I need to learn all the cheers and all the other stuff to make, so I can be like the, the coolest most knowledgeable fan in the face of the planet you know I have to do all that then maybe I can watch the pirate games nah I don't really watch baseball that much I'll follow the Astros here and there because I have to because people ask me questions about the Astros and my, what my thing my thoughts are, and I just have to make. I usually have to. I usually have to make shit up, but anyways, enough rambling about all star games. Jesus, I rambled about all star games for about twenty minutes, and I have a forty five minute podcast. All right, now let's get to some other stuff here. Uh, let's see, Pitt over the weekend played Louisville and struggled. They struggled shooting all game and. They led at halftime, and then uh, eventually Louisville tightened up, and they fell apart. You know, pitch fell apart. As Cable said, January is always a tough month, and so is February. I mean, these are two, I mean, college basketball. These are two of the toughest months of the year. It's always a grind, and we used to always bitch and moan when uh, you know teams under, under Jamie would start struggling around this time because you know they would have they would do so good and. Uh, up until December, then when league would play would start, we would win some games, and then we would struggle at a bunch. 
but then eventually the team would wake up and they would win a whole bunch or they would go to the biggest tournament and you know would go to the finals but um yeah I mean this is the big grind and I mean you just have to see how the players react to it I mean yeah they're they're not doing dick in the ACC play since they beat Florida State but one thing you say about this team is you can't cut them you can't cut the money out of every game like you did with last year's team when pretty much you knew pretty much last year it was the it was the bait of who uh, how many how many how many points we were gonna lose by were we gonna lose by 20 points 30 points 50 points 10 points yeah that was always a big debate Whereas um, now, not so much. You can't cut these, these this team out of games any, anymore. They're they're gonna win some more ACC games. Um, you know, I like I said, don't expect anything in terms of postseason. Not even any type of invitational. Just enjoy the ride. And of course, some people say, "Well, that's true," but nobody expects us to be in this conversation. And yeah, I mean, point taken, but still. You know how people are when they see when they look at when they get the bracketology uh, stuff comes out. Oh man, we're the first four out, man! Yeah, and you got people who are real who are realistic and know and know there's no any chance we're gonna make the tournament or anything. But you got those ones that say you know that have these high hopes and then when they get the, when they get crushed, they go, oh, same old pit. You know we were we were predicted to be the first four out. You know, back in December, we projected they'll be, be in the tournament at twelve and five at one point. And you know, we let it slip away. And, you know, same old pit. We're not going to win any more games. This program's trash. Capel's not going to get it done. So, yeah, that's. I'm, I'm just. I'm just pretty much putting the disclaimer in case we get those type of things happening to us. And uh, you know, Pitt football obviously landed a uh, uh, a uh, commitment from a uh, Michigan transfer. His name escapes me at this point. I'm not really going to look him up because I'm driving right now and I'm in traffic, so it just won't be a really good look for me. But basically, he's a grad transfer and uh, he's supposedly really good. And he was a UConn commit, as Harry Passero says on his Twitter feed. It's amazing how I don't know his name, but I remember some shit Harry Perry tweets. So Harry, you know, so, um, yeah, so basically he was a UConn commit and uh, Pitt jumped on him and a bunch of other offers came his way and, of course, Michigan, he got the Michigan offer and, and oh, I'm going to go play in the Big Ten now. So that's where he's going. Also, Lamont Way has decided to stay at Penn State, which I think makes a lot of sense because I don't really, I really couldn't see him going anywhere else I think for him he um, I mean he was slated to start at his position but I think for some reason he may have been disgruntled and I don't know why you know maybe he wanted a pay raise I don't know maybe he you know you never know with paying college athletes I mean maybe you know he was he fell for his new, for, you know, for his new uh, position where he could be the star. He needed starter money. I mean, can't blame him if, it, if, that, if that was the case. 
He's getting into rapping now. Maybe he needed money to make his mixtape. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, he needs, I mean, the guy needs studio time. I mean, you got to have studio time and maybe Penn State's going to help him with that, you know, give him some time in the studio and so he can uh, be creative. I mean, if they're doing that, I mean, hey, it's not like they're giving the guy hookers and drugs. I mean, they're just, you know, they're, they're trying to further his, further his uh, development along as, you know, not so much as a football player, but as a human being. So, I mean, if they're paying for all that, then, hey, hey, get your coin. But, you know, speaking of that, the paying college athletes, obviously it's a big issue going on right now with college athletics, with paying athletes. And and people need to realize the money's just not freaking there to pay them. I mean, I know they pull in millions of dollars, but you got to realize that money is, they're pulling all that in to fund all their sports and everything else. That's why, you know, Joe Paterno needed those eight home games a year. I mean, sure, he had four other games he could have done with Pitt, but he needed as many as he could. I mean, that's just how the programs work. And it's because Penn State has a lot more sports to fund, and And that's just how it goes. And UConn obviously is in a $40 million hole. And I mean, of course, they had to pay for all those buyouts and probably all that legal, that legal case with Kevin Ollie, but which you're probably going to win, by the way, because uh, Kevin did some uh, pretty dumb things, supposedly. And obviously, he was oblivious to it, and he's probably going to lose that case. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's very few light departments that turn profits. And one thing you can do for the, for the players is you can give them the ability to market themselves, which is, which is what the NCAA doesn't like. If, they, if these players want to sell their autographs and sell their merchandise and memorabilia, let them do it. Let, let, give them the ability to market themselves. Because what I'm seeing now is I'm seeing a lot of these outside people preying on these athletes now. And they're, you know, one, one, one for instance is I saw a, um, a flyer. It looks like there's a, there's a basketball league starting up. It's, it's not really amateur. It's, it's supposedly supposed to pay high school players. They're going to college instead of, you know, going the, going the route of, um, the NCAA, they get to play, you know, I guess, uh, league basketball, but they get paid and then until they go to the, you know, they're eligible for the NBA. And supposedly they can make between 50 and 150,000 a year depending on their market value. And at the same time, they get a college scholarship. And I'm like, uh, so I go and I look at the website. David West is the uh, supposedly the president of the company. He's a, he's an NBA player, former NBA player, I believe. And I'm sitting there reading it, and I'm like, okay, this league isn't even in existence yet. And for, and for some reason, they can pay high school players that don't want to go to college. Or they want to go to college and get paid 1500000 $150,000 a year. 
And on top of that, have a college scholarship. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how are they going to get the money to pay the players? And, and secondly, how are the players going to get a goddamn scholarship from the university they're playing for and get paid on top of it? It makes no absolutely no freaking sense whatsoever. And supposedly the games are it's, it, the league is a summer league, basically. Where they get to play in the summer. Here's the thing: the NCAA knows that they're freaking playing a paid league. They're gonna get freaking. Um, they're gonna get uh, what's it called? Their scholarship stripped from them, and they're not gonna be able to play and see the you know college basketball ever again. So I don't. And the, the and here's the thing: not all these players are gonna get fifty grand a year to play. Because you gotta be good. You gotta have some some sort of talent to do it. And there's not enough players to do that, or willing to do that. So, this league benefits no one, but this is what we're seeing now with this whole you know, amateurism is a scam thing. As you got all these other people that are jumping in, wanting to scam the athletes on top of it. The best bet is for the NBA in the in the in the, in the uh, NCAA to work out some things. I'm sure, and suppose they're doing that now. I guess where they're giving these athletes a paid league. If they don't want to go to college, they can go in this league instead, which would make would make a lot more sense. Where they can make their coin until they're eligible to play in the NBA, and I'm sure the NFL will see that eventually. Although it's a the league's a little different, and so you know, you got you got to develop in this league and get bigger. Anyways, I went from uh, pit to uh, amateurism, and I went on way to amateurism. But uh, as far as Lamont Way goes, I couldn't see him going anywhere else. I mean, he—I mean, he does have—I believe he does have a does have does have a child. And staying in PA probably makes a lot of sense for him. And I can't see him going anywhere else that's nearby. Maybe West Virginia. And supposedly that was an option for him. And they had a, they had a coaching change. And that's probably not going to happen. There's no way he goes to Pitt. Although I would take him. But I don't think he really wants to go to Pitt. And in the first place. And given some of the stuff he did. I don't think Pitt would, um, would take him anyway. So he's there, and hopefully it works out for him in the end. We have the Super Bowl coming up, and I'll be talking about that later this week. Um, As you all know, um, there's a Democratic Democratic primary bracket out. Uh, The guy who did it is Win the Weekends. He's on Twitter. Go check him out. He he blogs and does tweets... WWE, uh, he tweets gambling, does a whole kind of bunch of stuff. So check him out. He has a blog as well. He came up with a 16 uh, nominee field for the uh, bracket, which is pretty, pretty good. Pretty good actually. I'm about to break it down. I'm about to use a podcast to probably break down this bracket, but it's pretty good. It even lays. What's great, even great about it is even it even lays out the whole 
democratic primary itself, the sh- what it looks like right now, who who, are the, who the players are, and who are pretty much going to be the uh, ones who pretty much go out early, and it's a pretty. Uh, I think one. I think one guy already. You know, after eight days after announcing his bid, is shutting it down. Hillary obviously is um, contemplating a run. Which, uh, you know, Hillary, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But basically, Bernie is, is not really, you know, Bernie supposedly is going to run again. And I really wish Bernie would just shut it down at this point. Because, you know, he really didn't do the Dems any favors after he lost his bid. And pretty much, I mean, that primary split, you know, the, 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 basically the Dem voters in the two, where you had one half who, you know, stuck it out with Hillary, then the other half got mad and said, well, fuck this, I'm gonna go vote, vote Libertarian or go vote Trump or not vote at all. And a lot of them did vote Libertarian and, you know, that's pretty much, I mean, I mean, one guy, for instance, is Clay Travis. I mean, y'all have listened to him. He, he's actually a liberal, although he, he um, his his base is conservative. Basically, basically, guys are angry at ESPN for you know for whatever reasons, and so they switch to Clay. And Clay knows that, so he plays that he plays to them. But if you listen to Clay a lot, I haven't listened to him lately. But I did listen to him a good bit. Actually, the only time I ever listened to Clay is usually on Mondays. After it was always after the football games because he always had such good, good stuff with that. He would bring on some good people as well. But um, anytime LeBron does something or any type of you know, athlete like Michael Bennett, he'll pretty much spend a good week on a good week or not so much a whole show but a whole week on it. Compl- you know, just complaining about it. But, you know, Clay, you know, he worked on, um, I think he worked on Al Gore's campaign, I believe. Al, Al Gore, it was Al Gore or John Kerry, one of the two. And uh, he's always, he voted Democrat except for this past election where he voted um, Libertarian. Because he didn't like Hillary. But, you know, that's just one instance of it. Maybe Clay was, uh, obviously Clay must have been a Bernie bro. I mean, you know, wouldn't surprise me. If he was, but uh, I thought Clay was conservative. But if you listen to his show and listen to him talk, he's very liberal. I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy. He just he plays his he just plays to his base, which he he knows what his who his audience is, so he plays to them. But yeah, I'll break down the bracket. I mean, obviously Kamala Harris is your favorite right now to to win it, and you know we'll talk about that later. Uh, we'll talk about the Super Bowl as well. Uh, I'm actually starting to like this matchup with the Rams and the Patriots. I thought, you know, initially I thought the Patriots were going to beat the crap out of the uh, Rams, but you know, I, I watch, I rewatched some of the, a lot of the Rams playoff games that they had this you know, this year. I rewatched the Rams, the Saints game as well. I like the Rams' chances. It's just that. Um, you know, when they start off in the beginning as the Saints, it seemed like they were, you know, in over their heads. 
And I think Sean McVay did a hell of a job of easing Goff in, you know, to that game. The, the only thing he had, to, the only thing he had to, you know, to bet on was that his defense would hold up. And they did. They held the Saints to like uh, to two field goals early. Because that game could have been a lot worse than it than it was. But I think what he had to do was he had to ease Goff in into that game because he knew it was it was it was a hostile environment. It was it was a really big game, and he wasn't sure how his quarterback was going to be. But he had to ease Goff into that situation. But he had to hope that his defense would hold up, and it did. It held up. Obviously, one thing that really helped was the fake punt. Because the Saints weren't ever expecting it to happen. And the you know the punter made a hell of a throw. And after that, the Saints were shook after that. Cause the Giants, you know, because the Rams by halftime made it a game. And they just and after that they were confident. They were never out of that game, and no matter what the Saints threw at them, they were never out of it. But I, you know, I saw a lot of things in the, in the Rams' offense because I'm not crazy about Goff as a QB right now. I think he'll be re- really good in due time. I think a lot of what he, what love his numbers are based on the, on the design of the uh, plays and the scheme itself is why he does so good. But I'm, you know, if they can get a healthy Todd Gurley on top of C.J. Anderson. They're going to be really good in the running game. But I think there's a few other wrinkles they can throw with um, New England as well. So this is going to be like a this is going to be a chess match. And it's going to be a fun one. So I mean, just sit back and relax and enjoy it. But um, you know, I'll talk about that late, much more later this week cuz um, I'm hit, I'm approaching almost 40 minutes on this podcast and I'm just going to start babbling and stopping whatever whatever nudge anyways guys have an awesome Monday hell of a pit bye look around you can find cars like these on Auto Trader. new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on Auto Trader. just you wait Auto Trader.